So when the sun came out, it was the highlight of my day. Think about it. Yeah, I, I like that one. I made that one up. A highlight. <laughs> okay. Here's the weird thing about age. Um, I still feel like I'm about 22, 23 years old. It's really so strange. Only when I look in the mirror do I, am I reminded, oh boy. Oh, gee, what happened there? Um, but you know what? I, I decided a long time ago, I want to grow old gracefully and not like age defying, like, oh, I'm going to dye my hair or get like plugs when it starts leaving. Like, um, I got crow's feet. You know what those are? Like when you smile and you got those wrinkles in the, and I, and I'm like, I earned those. That's so cool. My hair's like silver on the sides. And I think it's so cool. I have silver hair. Um, but I love it. Hi, Michaela. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's really cool. And I think God intended us to be kind of like excited about growing older. And I have loved every age I've been, honestly. It has been such a blast. I loved being a teenager. I was dumb as a bag of diapers when I was a teenager, but it, I loved it. It was fun and I did lots of stupid stuff. Um, and I don't regret that. I thank God for the forgiveness that he gives me for those things. I loved 20-something, the whole 20s. I was in Chile and all those adventures. Then I loved 30s. 30s was crazy. I felt like I was supposed to be irresponsible, like dad and stuff. And now I'm in my 40s and my kids are, one's gone out of the house. The other one's almost there. But it's so much fun. And I get to hang around with you guys. I could be your dad. Holy cow, that's just freaky. That I, I feel like one of you, honestly. I know it's weird, but like, I feel like if I were around y'all's age, like we'd be buddies, like we'd hang out. We'd all, we'd all go to lunch together, you know, we'd just be friends. So I feel like one of you, but I could be one of you's dad. That is the weirdest thing. And then eventually I'll be one of y'all's grandpa. Like if I'm still doing this job and I'm 60, 65, and there's Junior sitting in front of me, it's like, I could be your grandpa. And I'll still feel 20-something. It's really weird. And when you get there, you're going to go, Mr. Dean, you were right. I do feel like I'm still young. I know it's weird. I thank God for health. As if my body were like, all, then I would probably feel a lot older. But I still feel like I can like out-jump people and play volleyball and run races and stuff. Probably can't, but. So, um, we're talking about fallacies. This is, this is a, a fun part of studying arguments, studying uh, structure. That stuff's not so much fun, especially when you have to produce it on a text. I just said text. I meant test. <clears throat> Wash my tongue this morning. Can't do a thing with it. <laughs> um, but the logical fallacies are really fun. I, where did we leave off yesterday? Do you remember? Okay, so that is ambiguity. And specifically, I think we left off on amphiboly. Amphiboly is where when you say something in a certain way, a certain syntax of words, you get kind of a different idea. Uh, save soap and waste paper. Wait, what? Uh, back in the old days, trash paper used to be called waste paper. And so somebody would say, or scrap paper used to be called waste paper. Um, and so if I said to you, save soap and waste paper, it sounds like you should save soap, but throw paper away, but it's save soap and waste paper, save them both because waste paper is just scrap paper. Make sense. Are you with me? You're a hundred miles away. Cause your reaction time is like three seconds afterward. 
Are you with me? You sure? Okay. Um, fallacy of accent. We don't really have fallacies that are committed by accent in English. We can stress certain things and certain ideas come out of that. If I said to you, we should not speak ill of the dead. You understand us. We, we shouldn't. But if I said we should not speak ill of the dead, you might understand, but we do. <laughs> we shouldn't, but we do. If I said we should not speak ill of the dead, you would probably go, but we can like write about them, you know, like, like we can make fun of them if we write. We should not speak ill of the dead. Now we can talk about the dead. We should, just shouldn't say bad things about them. Do you see what I'm saying? So as I accent and stress each word, something a little, even though I've said the same exact sentence every time, we don't really have those fallacies in English, but other languages that are tonal languages. I think like in Thai, you can say ma, 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 and ma. And like that same word means five different things. Cow, water, umbrella, noodle. It's crazy. I, that's a tonal language. Could you imagine the same word? You have to. So that might work different in a different language. Now, one of the most common fallacies is called the appeal to pity. Many of these fallacies have that name, appeal to. Appeal to pity is where we let our emotions determine what is right or wrong, true or false. Um, a stupid bumper sticker that you can see is, is wrong in so many ways, but it says, don't like abortion, don't have one. As if liking abortion had any bearing on whether or not it was right or wrong. Um, somebody, the, the argument in the debate over abortion the only argument that probably sways more than any other is this appeal to pity. You want to take this 14-year-old girl and force her to have a baby when she lives in poverty herself. Now it's not just her. You, you Christians want to make her try to raise a child in poverty where there's no chance. So what are you setting up that child for? a life of crime, a life of disadvantage, and that's what you want to do as Christians? Are you going to adopt that baby? Well, no. Well, real nice, real nice. All that, all of it is an appeal to pity. It's an emotion. What does it have to do with whether or not it's right or wrong to murder someone if their situation is tough, if their financial situation is tough, if you're willing to adopt, none of those things have any bearing on whether or not it's true that murder is right or wrong, right? Make sense? Um, well, I don't like the, the dress code at Midland Christian. So what? I, I'm, I appreciate that you don't like it, but that doesn't make it wrong. Well, I think it is wrong. Why? Because I don't like it. So we're, we're mixing two things that don't need to be mixed. Um, emotions are gifts from God, but they cannot determine, they should not determine what's right or wrong. And you'll see a lot of appeal to emotion when we start looking at arguments that people make, and we'll look at a few arguments that people make, and you'll be able to go, that's an appeal to pity, isn't it? Because there's actually no basis for their argument other than emotion. Okay. Um, Wait, what does appeal to where you use your emotions to determine right or wrong, true or false. 
emotions cannot determine those things. Emotions are catalysts. They're thermometers of how you feel about the right or the wrong. But to say um, war should never happen because it's very sad. That may be true that war is sad, but it doesn't follow logically that because war is sad, it ought not happen. We shouldn't kill convicted murderers because that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't follow logically that because it doesn't make sense to you, therefore it ought not to happen. Does it make sense to you? Yes. Well, then it should happen. Do you see what I'm saying? Those are not good reasons, good ways of determining right or wrong. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to the genetic fallacy. Uh, this is a fallacy committed when someone argues that something is false or bad because of where he, she, it came from. Genetic fallacy. This is where you think that something is either untrue or false, bad, because of where it comes from. Okay? Uh, think about the Bible, John chapter 1. I believe it's Philip goes and tells Nathaniel, guess what? We found the Messiah. Which Messiah? The Messiah that's been predicted for like 2,800 years. We found him. His name is Jesus from Nazareth. And you know what Nathaniel says? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's a genetic fallacy. Because of where somebody's from, it's not good. Hey, uh, where's the new teacher from? Uh, I think they're from Odessa. Oh, I'm not taking that class. Odessa. Oh, nothing good can come out of Odessa, right? Alejandro lives in Odessa. Yeah. So, you know, people in Midland like to make fun of people in Odessa because, you know, Odessa sort of, <laughs> you know, right? Midland's the, the refined one. So something's bad. Something is false because of where it's from. Um, next fallacy, ad hominem. Somebody asked me what ad hominem is. Come on. Your mom's ad hominem is what that is. Oh, is that funny? That's dumb. You think that's funny? Yeah, laugh it up there, chuckles. If you weren't so ugly, I might want to listen to you. But you're just a dumb, ugly uh, guy from Odessa. <laughs> yes. Good. Oh, that's untrue, by the way. You're not ugly at all. You're not. And you're not from Odessa. <laughs> Ad hominem, that's Latin for to the man. That's where you take the argument off of the topic and you insult the person. Kids do this all the time. Give that to me. Why? Because it's mine. I don't care. Well, I'm going to tell if you don't give it to me. You know what? You're just a tattletale. You're a baby. Oh, I want my toy bag. All of that is an insult. It has nothing to do whether or not that toy actually belongs to the person. So it doesn't follow logically that because your head is fat or because you're a dumb-dumb that your argument's false. What if there is a kid that really is dumb and he says, 
you know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. You say, oh, you're so dumb. Why, why should I believe that? You're dumb or you're ugly or you're too tall. I tell people can't know stuff like that. Or you're blonde. Why would I believe you, you blonde? Right? Yeah. Um, think about this. In the Bible, this is pretty cool. John chapter 8, verse 8. And I just happen to have my Bible with me. Listen to this. This is some Pharisees and some teachers um, talking to Jesus. And here's what they said to him. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, well, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works of your, your father, the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus, later on in verse 47, whoever hears God, hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. And the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you're not only a Samaritan, but you also have a demon? In other words, dude, you're from Odessa and you are jacked out of your mind. So whatever, that's their argument. You're from Odessa, you're a Samaritan and you have a demon. You're crazy. You're stark raving mad. They insult Jesus. Jesus is talking about a disciple doing what his master does. A, a, a father, a son doing what his father does. That's the argument. If you were really who you say you are, wouldn't your actions demonstrate that? So they take it right to Jesus. You're a big fat dum-dum. You're ugly and we don't like you. That's all they have. And that happens a lot, by the way, with Jesus because he's so brilliant that most people have no idea what to say to him. Happens a lot to me too. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so ad hominem is where we take the argument to the person. Uh, a sub fallacy of ad hominem is called poisoning the well. Here's an example of poisoning the well. We're going to um, listen to Nicholas. Nicholas just happens to have three PhDs, I think it was, one from Cambridge, one from Harvard, and one from Princeton. Really amazing. You got all those before you got out of high school. That is so crazy. Anyways, he's going to be talking to us about uh, the benefit of, uh, I don't know, passing laws for kicking babies. Okay? And his opponent is, I'm sorry, what's your name again? Abigail. Doesn't have a PhD. Um... Hasn't even gone to college yet, right? And now what college were you going to? Were you going to go to UTPB, I think? Isn't that sort of in Odessa? Anyways, she's going to be taking the other side about why it's not good <laughs> to kick babies. Okay, so I'd like you both to listen to them and give them your undivided attention. Now, what have I done? He's the one that's smarter. He's better. I should listen to him. His point of view is probably right. And hers is not. Why? Well, she hasn't done it. That's poisoning the well. It's not about education. Poisoning the well is when you say something before someone else even has a chance to, to make their argument and you say something that influences the other people that are listening. Think of what poisoning the well does. I could poison every single glass. Oh, hey, are you drinking that? What's that over there? Mm -hmm. You know, 
Hey, you, what's that over there? Huh? Uh, that takes a lot longer than if I'll just go and pour the poison in the well, then everybody that drinks it is poisoned. If I can poison the well, if I can already have your mind sort of, oh, that person. Listen, so-and-so is an atheist and they're going to talk about the first living organisms. But this person over here is a Christian and a churchgoer. <laughs> and they're going to be talking about the first living organisms. So we can listen to Mr. So-and-so and then we can listen to my good friend, Mr. So-and-so. Well, before this guy even has a chance to make his case, what he says might be true, but you've already decided that guy's a schmuck because I've poisoned the well. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, your reactions are awesome this morning. You guys are really with me. Cool. Appeal to ignorance. That's your next fallacy. All this is, is when you argue that something is true because it hasn't been proven false. Sorry, that doesn't work. God's true because nobody can prove that he's not true. Whatever. Terrible argument. People can't prove that leprechauns aren't real. Does that make them real? No, it's a fallacy. It's a fail. It, it fails miserably. And conversely, to argue that something is false because it hasn't been proven true is also wrong. You can't argue that something's true because it hasn't been proven false. And you can't argue that something is false because it hasn't been proven true. I believe in aliens. Why? Well, we haven't proved that they don't exist. Sorry. That's a logical fallacy. And it doesn't. It's not allowed. It's not allowed to be played. Okay? Fallacy of the beard. Now, this is a good one. Um, fallacy of the beard occurs when you can't necessarily determine the exact degree at which something becomes true, false, right, wrong, good, bad. More, more on the scale of good, bad. And an example would be the dress code at Midland Christian. If a girl wants to wear shorts, where does the bottom of her shorts need to touch? The top of her kneecap, right? Let me ask you a question. The top, let's say a girl's wearing shorts that come to the top of her kneecap and everybody says, ooh, that's modest. She's, she looks modest. And then she comes to school the next, next day. The shorts she was wearing, she hemmed one inch. So now they are one inch above her kneecap. Does everybody go, holy cow, she's so immodest. I can't, oh my gosh, put some clothes on. Do you say, well, that's immodest? At what? All the guys are like, no way, man. Okay, halfway up her thigh, is that immodest? Nah, not really. How about just under the butt cheek? Is that immodest? Some might say, actually, not to me. Others would say, yeah, maybe you're getting close. All right. The cheek is actually hanging out. Is that immodest? Well, oh yeah, well that's immodest. What if you're somewhere between the cheek hanging out and being at the bottom? Would that be? Well, no. I, I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, so what people do with logical arguments is they say, well, you don't know and I don't know. Therefore, it must not be true. You don't know and I don't know. Therefore, pfft. How can, we, how can anybody know? So I think we should do this. Hang on a minute. Just because you and I disagree 
and differ on our definition of what modest is. If you ask me what modest is pre-daughter days, I'd say, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Then I have my daughter and I'm like, oh no, uh-uh. Mm-mm. You ain't wearing that. Nope. I don't like that. That's immodest. You know what I'm saying? Like dads do that. But when I was a teenager, oh, it's all modest. Yeah, that's great. Oh yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we all differ necessarily maybe on our what we consider to be X, Y, Z, good, bad. But just because we differ doesn't mean we have to abandon or even can abandon, especially logically. Does, does modesty cease to exist because you disagree with me? Well, then if we can't agree on what's modest, we should just do away with the whole thing. Modesty probably doesn't exist. It's the fallacy of the beard. At what point is it a beard? Is it a beard when it's like full, an inch, two inches, J.E. Bundy, you know, Willie, uh, what's his name from Duck Dynasty? Willie Robertson, is that a beard? You say, oh yeah, that's a beard. Cut half of it off. Now it's not a beard. Well, that's still a beard. Nice trimmer. Mr. Hutchinson, well, yeah, that's a beard. Five o'clock shadow. No, that's not a beard. What about one millimeter past five o'clock? At what point does it become a beard? Oh, geez, that... So therefore, beards don't exist. Do you see my point? It's like, no, that's illogical. Fallacy of the beard. So um, <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't be fooled by somebody that says, well, we differ, so therefore it doesn't exist. There is a fallacy called fallacy of hasty generalization. I'll get to this one probably, and that's about the last one we'll have. Hasty, gener- what does hasty mean? Quick, 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 fast. Don't be hasty, right? That's a little Lord of the Rings reference. A hasty generalization is like this. Oh, I hate New Yorkers. Why? They're, they're so rude. Oh my gosh. New Yorkers are rude. Oh yeah. Hasty generalization. You need to ask that person, why do you think New Yorkers are rude? Well, because I had a couple of taxi cab drivers that were total jerks to me. A couple of taxi cab drivers. You got into two taxis. Both of those guys were rude. Therefore, all New Yorkers are rude. Make sense? It's the root of racism as well. Well, I don't like black people. Why? Because a black person assaulted my sister one time. So a black person assaulted your sister. So therefore, all black people are bad? Hasty generalization. It's a terrible, illogical thing to commit. Um, And it's the root of racism, I think. At least one of the roots of racism is when we generalize too hastily, too quickly. French people are so rude. Why? Because I bumped into one. He was like, well, that's a dumb thing to say. And it doesn't follow logically that all French people are rude because one guy bumped into you and was kind of a jerk. Hasty generalization. Don't let people commit that one. Also, three out of five dentists recommend, oh, well, then, then it must be the gum I need to buy because if, you know, well, we're, we're, we're generalizing here a little too hastily. Maybe we need to get some more research. Okay. All right. That is day two of logical fallacies. Any questions on the ones we looked at? We do have a minute or two left or three. Yes. Okay. How much do people actually respect 
a logical fallacy in a debate. In a formal debate that you would see on TV, here on the radio, they will absolutely respect them. You will never find yourself in a formal debate in college. Will people respect you saying, ah, 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 that's a hasty generalization. Probably not. They'll probably say, do you want me to punch you now or later? And you'll be like, oh, later will be fine. Okay, so here's the thing. You are just learning how to identify what is considered out of bounds. Not that other people will, but when you recognize that somebody's argument is based on a logical fallacy, it's not that you point out the logical fallacy to them and say, see, your argument's bad. What you need to do is expose the weakness of the argument by, in a creative way, exposing that fallacy. Because you're right, most people won't go, oh, I was a, that was a hasty generalization? Okay, so they don't even know what that means. What you need to do is say, wait a minute, you got into two people's car and so all New Yorkers, that's kind of unfair, isn't it? And they'll be like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like generally people are rude, but like, how many people did you talk to? Well, a whole bunch. H how many? I don't know, 10. I would say that's kind of an unfair thing to say you talk to 10 people in New York who are rude, so then all New Yorkers are rude, and you know what they'll do? Okay, fine, not all New Yorkers are rude, but a whole bunch of them are. Okay, so what do you, want to, what do you mean by, you know, what's your argument? So it, you kind of get them to admit that that's kind of dumb. And so, yeah, you don't ever have to name the logical fallacy, but you know that when it gets played, you can be like, that's not a good basis for your argument. And I'm going to expose that in a nice creative way for you and for everyone else that's listening. By the way, you never debate Ever. Just don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'll tell you what I meant. You ask me that tomorrow morning. Wait, what, finish the sentence, Mr. D, Mr. Dean. You don't ever debate for dot, dot, dot. Okay. Y'all have a blessed day. Bye, y'all.